All right. Do you want to kick us off as usual? Or uh... Yeah. Welcome back, uh, Rich Brown. He uh, didn't bring Mary with him this time. No. Uh, no. I'm missing her too. If I see like I'm in a funk, that's why. I'm like, oh, where's Mary? Let's open a word for Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, your love for us. Uh, Father, for you uh, adopting us as your children. Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us this day, that we would uh, worship you in spirit and truth. Father, that you would use this time to uh, make us more like our Savior. Father, thank you for Rich, uh, his trip down here, and uh, his time to share with us this morning in Sunday school and uh, bring the word to us in our, our worship service. Father, guide and direct us and bless our time together, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. So I actually like to open us up with a word from the word. Um, this comes to us from Isaiah 25, just a word of encouragement to you. I've been meditating on this the last few days myself, and I think it's just really important to have a, um, a hope-filled optimism when it comes to just our life as Christians. Uh, you know, we can talk, as we will today, about you know, Christianity and liberalism, more stuff on Machen, that kind of thing, uh, fighting a good fight of faith, but if we lose track of hope, true eschatological hope, uh, we miss out, I think, on the whole point of even talking about these things. Um, you know, right and wrong, good and evil, that kind of thing, right? And so I want to remind us of the hope that we have, first and foremost, uh, in our God who loved us and who gave himself for us. This is in Isaiah 25, uh, starting in verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap. The fortified city a ruin, the foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. And here's this hope that we have in God who saves us. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth, all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. One of my favorite, amen, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture right here. And at first we would be thinking, okay, what does that have to do with Machen, right? <laughs> Admittedly. But the truth of the matter is, again, if we attend even this good topic of fighting the good fight of faith, of recognizing that there are certain doctrines, certain things 
in the church that we actually must hold fast to despite all the odds. If we lose track, though, of the very fact that God is the one that we are worshiping, that we're desiring to exalt, um, what have we to gain? You know, we end up just fighting and, and bickering and, you know, things kind of fall apart within the church when we become all about, you know, um, fighting without the real cause, uh, fighting without the hope of the one who is himself truth by name, you know, the way, the life, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so I just want to remind us of that. I need it myself every day. Again, I've been mulling over this passage myself the last few days. What, what is that passage? Uh, Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25, just verses 1 through 9 specifically. And it's beautiful because, like, I mean, as the book of Isaiah goes on, like, those who meditate on these things, they're the ones who are held in perfect peace. You're the ones whose minds are stayed upon God, as it talks about later on in Isaiah 26. But it's those who stay focused on God who, in the midst of the tumultuous, you know, tossing and, and just fights within the culture, culture wars, things that cause us pain and distress, not just within the church, but even our, our broader culture. Um, like when we are saved upon God, the one who has come to save us and who will at the last save us and deliver us from all evil, you know, our, our hope is secure when it's truly in him. And that's a very simple message, but I just wanted to remind us of that as maybe like a little devotional before we jump into some of the stuff for today. But Transitioning now, though, to, uh, again, talk about Machen, you know, Christianity and liberalism. I know we were all here last time as well, so it's been a few weeks. Um, what was something, just kind of put this out there for you all, uh, what was something that you might have taken away last time as we talked about, you know, fighting the good fight of faith, um, defending truth, you know, what maybe stood out to you? Schleiermacher last time. Schleiermacher, yes. Same with the first time, too, right, Andy? Uh, the first time, too, I remember that, uh, that name stuck out to you, Schleiermacher. Exactly, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's stuck. It's a demonic device. Yeah, yeah stuck, it's stuck, know. I should say. Yeah. Should go Schleiermacher. Yeah, Schleiermacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Schleiermacher was, of course, one of the guys who, one of the main guys who was promoting, you know, theological liberalism essentially, again, denying the divinity of Christ and all about, you know, a religion of feelings, as he even put it, you know, and, yeah, which never goes well. <laughs> Ricky and I were talking about that just a moment ago, too, you know, um, when emotions become our God and what directs us in our decision-making uh, over and above truth. So, yeah. That's so interesting what else because I think that, um, you know, there, there are some Christians that just say peace at all costs. You yeah. Know, we're just into... But, you know, the scriptures tell us to put on the whole armor of God. Yeah. And um, so there, there is a place for standing for truth. Mm -hmm. And it's worth standing for even if um, the majority don't stand with you. And yeah. I think that's the challenge that Machen and that we have today yeah. is, um, you know, we, we want to be liked and we want to be you know, fit the bill that Christianity is, well, you're just supposed to roll over, you're just supposed to mm -hmm. um, be kind because we're Christians, mm -hmm. and you really don't see that in Scripture. I mean, there is right. a point, I mean, you have to decide what your fight's are <clears throat> and mm -hmm. what's worth fighting for, and fighting for truth is worth fighting for. Amen. Yeah. yeah I was thinking something similar that, you know, one thing I got from last time is that sometimes you'll feel alone in your city on a hill. Yeah. You know, but mm. you still have to be that beacon of light and hope because otherwise people will think there are no cities on hills. 
never thought about it that way, but yeah, it's really good. Yeah, sometimes you feel alone when you're kind of up there shining the light of Christ, even. Yeah. Wow. It's a good image, too. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we often, to your point, Colleen, we often misinterpret what Jesus said about turning their cheek, you know? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, okay, just keep giving in, keep giving in, keep giving in. You know, that's, he never calls us to be, you know, people who just take abuse, right? Um, there's actually proper biblical, you know, um, like laws, especially in the Old Testament. I mean, the Ninth Commandment, right? We talked about that last night. Uh, not bearing false witness, not entertaining those things, right? And actually standing for truth, right? Um, Honoring one another, even honoring our neighbor and speaking truth in those situations, fifth commandment. So, yeah. Yeah. We often, I think in our modern evangelical church, have taken that idea of, oh, just turn the other cheek too liberally, you know. Uh, therefore, just put up with whatever. Well, I don't think we yeah. turn that's, that's the other cheek when the Lord is being attacked. No. When his truth is being no. attacked. Yeah. Uh, we turn the other cheek when we are being attacked. Mm. But when the Lord is being attacked, we should stand firm. Yeah. Yeah. Re- reply in a loving, winsome way, but yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. And there are times that you know, the Lord looked at the Pharisees and said, you know, you're full of dead man's bones. That wasn't exactly a compliment. No. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You look clean on the outside, but inward. Yeah. <laughs> Inwardly, you're not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or John the Baptizer, you know, you brood of vipers who told you or who warned you to flee the wrath to come, right? And yeah, I mean, he's picking up right in the same words from Genesis 3, where, uh, you know, the children of the offspring of the serpent, right? Yeah. I mean, he flat out called them, you are children of the devil. You know? <laughs> not that it's for us to make that kind of judgment, obviously. I want to be careful. <laughs> We're not to be going around saying, oh, you're children of Satan, you know. But, but uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit, obviously, and, and Christ himself obviously had the authority to do that, for sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, um, I did want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, actually, the privilege of uh, writing a little piece for my um, school at Westminster Seminary, and um, they have these magazines for free, and I actually have an article that I'd love to send to you guys as a PDF. You can get this for free uh, by going to their website, but if you also just want it electronically, I'm happy to like email it out to Tom or Andy, whomever, maybe just disperse it amongst yourselves, so a little free uh, resource for you guys. But um, yeah, I read an article recently about just how do we actually apply Christianity and liberalism, um, you know, the truth of it, of course, uh, to our modern day world. It's things that we've talked about the last couple of times as well, but I actually wanted to go into that a little bit today with you all, that's okay, into the specifics of this article. So it's gonna be a little bit more specific in regard to leadership, um, like how do we actually carefully select leaders in our midst? I realize that's not going to be uh, totally, completely relevant for everybody, but I think you'll be able to resonate and appreciate this. So, um, yeah, Andy. I think it's interesting when I think about it how you, know, you see two rails of the train track and they're separated by about 100 years. And yeah. on that first rail 100 years ago, you see Machen standing for the truth being vexed by the liberalism that had polluted and corrupted a once faithful Presbyterian denomination. And mm-hmm. He felt that the right thing to do to honor God was to hit the reset button and start mm-hmm. up a faithful Christian, uh, faithful Presbyterian Reformed denomination that yeah. still exists to this day. Yeah. Fast forward 100 years and we see that his efforts succeeded and that the Presbyterian Church 
globally woke up and yeah. didn't happen again. So, no, wait, that didn't happen. <laughs> so we see the same sorts of We're not perfect and, now, what? <laughs> yeah, and so we can look to his example and say, like, okay, mm -hmm. we have a similar situation. Yeah. You know, and uh, by and large, the same sort of things are creeping in. So, yeah. But yeah. It, it, it just... A different thing because I think a hundred years ago the things that are being accepted as part of the course in much of the confessing Presbyterian Church they would have been like whoa that, you know we're yeah <laughs> we're not that crazy and now well right. we are that crazy so yeah that's interesting. that that was a hundred years ago what happened fifty years ago mm. that's when the PCA started mm -hmm. yeah now it's true and it now we're really headed yeah I mean yeah it only takes a generation. Yeah. Right, sure does. Ricky, you had your... Is sorry, article, yeah. Is the article your version of the cliff notes for the book? Uh, actually, it does come right from one of the final chapters, like the application chapter toward the end. Oh, so, right. yeah, yeah. So, you what? <laughs> I was looking for cliff notes. Oh, no, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Are you saying you don't read like 200 and some pages? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I haven't seen the PDF, but... It's funny. Just text Ricky the salient points and he'll be... Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I can send you the uh, table of contents. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> the table of contents. Here's the 12 chapters. and um, <laughs> That's too funny. So, uh, yeah, Amy, to your point, though, I mean, uh, yeah, these are obviously things that we're still facing today in terms of, like, where the church is going, right? And all it takes, like what you were saying, Tom, is like one generation to forget the, uh, the fight that actually had to happen to protect truth in previous generations and even in that older culture. Uh, for things to kind of end up repeating themselves. And so I think this is actually gonna be pretty relevant to us as well, but Machen, um, he, let's see, I wanna make sure I find the right source. Here we are, yeah, it's in the chapter that he wrote, just simply called The Church in Christianity and Liberalism. Um, he actually brought up in that chapter, as he was trying to apply this stuff 100 years ago, he brought up four kind of takeaway points um, that I actually want to impress upon you guys today and we'll unpack it a little bit. But he said this essentially, that really uh, pastors and church leaders, when it comes to um, how do we lead well, like how do we actually protect the church, um, he brought these four things up, that we must be people who encourage our leaders, uh, people who establish the biblical qualifications for what leadership looks like. Third, that uh, as leaders, both pastors and elders, deacons, etc., people who just lead into various ministries even, uh, we all must, just in his words, exercise our duties. And finally, um, you know, educate our members. And we call that Christian education, Sunday school like this, right? I mean, we're already fulfilling that. Way to go, right? <laughs> you know, like, like Mitch would be happy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went ahead and made this into a little... Four rule again. Yeah, absolutely. I ended up making this into an alliteration. I'm happy again to send this PDF to you guys a little later. But yeah, encourage their leaders... These are all E-words here for you because, you know, you're, you know, you're a teacher when you put it all into alliteration. Encourage their leaders. Establish the biblical qualifications. So establish the biblical qualifications. Exercise their duties. And then educate their members. So encourage, establish, exercise, and then educate. You know, I think that... Um... You know, everyone in here were learning so much about the church history. Mm -hmm. I don't think people in churches today have any sense of church history. They don't even mm -hmm. know much about um, when the Catholic Church broke the Protestant Church, but they don't know much about the Reformation. 
and they don't care, and they don't have anyone bringing it to them right. in Sunday school and stuff so they can learn it, because they just are doing a book that somebody wrote or something. Yeah, so, maybe in the last five years especially. Yeah. So when you're when we're talking here, I'm thinking, gosh, yeah. I, I really don't know anyone outside of here that knows a whole lot or cares what their church, they don't even know what their church stands for. Or yeah. what, you know? Yeah. We've lost that communion of the totally. saints. So we talk about the Apostles' Creed, you know, the totally. communion of the saints. Like we've lost it a lot of times because we don't even care about what happened with the church hundred years ago, or let alone five hundred years ago, like you're saying, Reformation history or before. And I mean, we are the church on earth and in heaven, right? You know, and, and yeah, I think we lose sight of that. But if you try to talk to someone, you can just almost see their eyes glaze over. Like mm. I don't really. This is not interesting. Yeah. Well, I yeah. figured about the Reformation until I rejoined PCA. Wow. Like, before then, I was like, there's church history? Of course yeah. there's church Like, it didn't yeah. dawn on me. I'm like, yeah. of course there's church history. Like, yeah. there's, there's the history of everything. There's yeah. the history of grilled cheese. Right. Like, why wouldn't there be the history of the church? And exactly. my husband got so, like, hyper-focused on it, and yeah. that's when we became Reformed, because my yeah. husband's like, all of the stuff that we believe have already been disproven, so right. we were completely wrong on this point. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, why doesn't everyone know about this? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see that poor yeah. thing with education. Uh -huh. is so yeah, for all of us, not just the ones who are in leadership or the ones who go to seminary, right, okay. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, well, I mean, in light of that, too, you think about part of the reason why we are today is because we don't go back. Because, again, what Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? Every time you see, when you look at church history, you see the heretical teachings come forward. It's, mm -hmm. it's a call to go back to Scripture. Mm -hmm. right? What does Scripture say? What does God say? Yeah. And you always have the dissent, you know, which mm -hmm. is always to appeal to man and man's opinions instead of to the actual sources. Yeah. And, it, and, and I, we also, when we look at church history, we also see that there were godly faithful men who differed on some key doctrinal things, right? Mm -hmm. But they still were trying to fight and go to scripture. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think is the softness of our society and our culture is people don't know how to argue well. They don't know how to defend what they believe from scripture because mm -hmm. it's we've been encouraging this, as Machen was saying, this emotionalism. Um, and to be honest, in some ways, it's a feminization of the church, which we've experienced. Um, yeah. And so when you see that, you know, you see like, you know, well, how does this all tie it together, right, to our yeah. current day and the challenges that we find with the whole gender issue, right? Right, yeah. Like, how does that apply to the church? Well, it applies to the church because God defined gender. and He wanted specific things to be certain way. It's why he identifies as father, right? Mm -hmm. The male figure. Mm -hmm. So all those things tie together because they all matter. Yeah. And, you know, when our emotions get in the way, you know, not that our emotions are bad, mm -hmm. but they most of the time are. Um, like, if they're not dis disciplined, then we have issues where that's where we go. We just immediately go to you know, doing what's right in our own eyes. Mm -hmm. Or does that mean? Yeah. It means that you're doing what feels good, right? An emotional response as opposed to what's God said. Right, right. You know, and when we take that across the board, it's everything. Yeah. Like all the all of God's words is is, is inspired. Yeah. And you know, it gives us all these things. Again, when you look yeah. at all these aspects, even science, you know, like 
all the scientific innovations we've seen are like mostly from Christians. Yeah. You know, even right. what has been falsely claimed, I think, to attribute calculus to the Muslims. Like they mm. they kidnapped some Christians and mm. told you know, took those Christians who were working on calculus and said that they were <laughs> Muslims, right? I mean like these are things that again, history, we're ignorant of history. Yeah. And we just take this at value, you know, at times of because it feels good or sounds good or we're ignorant of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, like what you said to start, they encourage, establish, exercise, educate. Yeah. They're all important. They are. At the household level. Right? Yeah, amen. And do the things at the household. Amen. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, yeah actually, I want to have a conversation. I always enjoy this. Yeah. So thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, let's say more about, like, people don't know how to argue. Yeah. Like, it's because in our culture now, to disagree equals disdainment. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, you disagree with me, you must hate me. It's like... No, like me and my best friend, she's been my best friend since I was 18. We're like each other's first real best friends. Mm. They're Baptists, mm. okay? They don't believe in baptizing your children, but we've argued our cases and mm. we're like, hey man, that's not anything against like salvation, so mm-hmm. you're good, you know? Like, exactly, yeah. Same here, yeah, my best friend is also a Baptist. Right. Had the same conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and so we like, essentials, yeah. But man, people just, they think like, oh, you disagree with me, you must hate me, and I disagree with you, that means I must hate you. And we only hang out, and we're only friends with people who encourage um, our wrongful thinking or maybe our bad habits or whatever, because nobody wants to be told that what they're doing or thinking is incorrect. And you miss the opportunity to learn and grow as a person because you're only with people who already think like you, or you're only looking up information that affirms what you already believe. And you're not challenging yourself mentally or emotionally or anything to yeah. grow. Yeah. And God's word literally is there so that we can grow as people. Right, right. And so a lot yeah. of people don't get into their own Bible studies, you know, because yeah. they're afraid of what, how the word, word will change them. Yeah. And they're just content with secondhand information from like right. a pastor or from a Bible study or whatever. Right. And not diving into the word themselves because yeah. they're intimidated by what they might be confronted with. Hmm. Yeah, and we're called in, I mean, way back on, in the giving of the law, to, I mean, the Shema, right? But, like, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, Christ has the fourth one to that. But the beautiful thing about that is that all of those elements of us as humans, body, soul, mind, strength, like, all of us should be submitted unto Christ, right? So what do we do? We do unto the Lord, like it says later on in Colossians, you know, whatever we do, whatever we put our hands to do. Um, you know, Colossians 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on earth, but where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, right? So we're submitting our intellect and our thoughts, our thought patterns to Christ, uh, our emotions to God, right? The seat of our hearts. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about the heart. And uh, Jeremy, you probably remember this from Liberty back in the day. We both went to Liberty. But, um, you know, the heart being literally more indicative of the gut in the Hebrew in the Old Testament you know, the seat of your emotions. And we think, I mean, with modern medicine and all, you know, we've been talking a lot, you know, about different, like, um, health-related things, doctor visits and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of us in our culture were realizing, wow, like, the mind-gut relationship is so strong, you know? <laughs> like, we've, we've often neglected that. Like, what we're eating actually affects how we think and vice versa. And, um, you know, it's about submitting the entire person to Christ, right? Our emotions to Christ. And emotions aren't bad per se, it's just oftentimes our 
belly becomes our God. You know, what we desire to eat or how we feel, it becomes our God. But same thing with our mind as well. You know, our minds often become so, um, I don't mean to derail too much, but thinking of social media, we were discussing that last night, but so inundated by the uh, casino effect of just going through your newsfeed and whether it's YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it might be, like, okay, I'm looking for entertainment and then boom, the algorithm hits you up with one thing and okay, they're, okay they caught my attention and then, and then it aggravated me and now I'm feeling this way and I'm feeling angry usually, right? Because they usually feed off of anger. And, Anyways, it's just like, how are we actually captivating, or not captivating, but letting God captivate our whole being, you know? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, all these go together, but mm-hmm. you have to, I guess the one that stuck out to me is yeah. like exercise, the leadership yeah, exercising their duties, yeah, because yeah. I have found that yeah. um, <clears throat> many of the leadership doesn't even know what their duties are. Right. Uh, you know, you right. can have yeah. a duty. Okay, yeah. it's the duty to, um, for the protection of the flock that you mm-hmm. are overseeing and what they're being taught, or is your duty to um, the hierarchy of the church at any expense because they mm-hmm. look at the encouragement of, well, we've got to encourage you. You mm-hmm. don't encourage your pastor <laughs> if they're not preaching what you know what the word is so yeah I, they all go together but yeah. boy you get those out of line and you the whole church right. can just have a lot of issues down the road if they don't do it properly yeah um in for sure starting with leadership right uh, exactly. number one and number two specifically so yeah we can't truly educate disciple people if we're honestly hand selecting leaders because of personal bias or whatever role primarily is yeah you've got a mess oh for real for real yeah to actually elaborate on that because what i gave you was kind of the cliff notes version admittedly of what machin was saying that's why it has the four e's and all (laughs) machin you know he didn't do that admittedly but i will tell you what he said in quotes under that point colleen you know exercise their duties that's my own paraphrase but what machin said specifically was christian officers which i know is like archaic but basically elders and deacons right but christian officers in the church should show their loyalty to Christ in their capacity as members of the individual congregations. Again, Christian officers in the church should show their loyalty to Christ in their capacity as members of the individual congregations. In other words, like, leaders aren't, like, way over here. You know, we have our Presbyterian government and all. And, like, when it's at its best, it's when we're actually humble. It's when we actually recognize, no, 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 we're actually in the midst of the sheep. Like, uh, I forget who said this. Uh, It was a book. But, like, we need to smell like the sheep, you know? Like, we need to actually be, like, in the lives of people. Uh, We shouldn't look at elders or deacons, anybody who serves in the church as being this, like, high and lofty position. Rather, no, 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 like, like Christ is called what is foolish by the world standards to actually, you know, shame the wise, quote-unquote, of this world. Um... You know, he's chosen broken, humble, beaten up leaders to actually serve Christ's church, you know, in a healthy way. They've experienced hurt or brokenness, and therefore they know how to empathize and sympathize and even offer hope in the midst of the brokenness. Not just be there and feel with somebody, but actually offer hope, true eschatological hope. I mean, Isaiah 25, right? Like, true futuristic hope. Um, and that's what we need as leaders, uh, when we actually call leaders to, to serve, you know. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah, so the, but they should be loyal to Christ first and foremost. And once they're loyal to Christ, everything else just flows right out of that. But if they lose sight of Christ, oh man, get run away. Run away from, from a leader that doesn't cling to Christ in all things. Um, Mason says this about leaders too. The first two points about encouraging their leaders, like you mentioned that as well, Colleen, encouraging their leaders. In Mason's word, he said that Christian officers should encourage those, uh, meaning the, the people that they're serving, that they're loving on, uh, leaders should actually encourage those that they're serving uh, who are engaging in the intellectual and spiritual struggle, meaning contending for the faith. So basically what he's saying is, you know, when they see someone is actually standing up for truth in the midst of adversity, like it's actually the leader's job to say, hey, like job well done. Like how can we come around you? Yeah, how can we stand next to you? Like you're at your job. Uh, I mean, Ricky, you were saying this earlier, if you don't mind me mentioning it, but you know, you had a, a, quite the conundrum right in front of you. You know, how do I start? They've all heard it. They've all heard it. Okay, yeah. Do you mind, do you mind sharing? Not, not to put you on the spot. It's just, it, it breaks my heart to hear it. Which part? This, this uh, just the transgender surgeries and whatnot. It was just yeah. pushed really hard for me in my department. And most of you guys have heard it. I mean, they asked me to supervise a transgender nurse practitioner whose job was going to be transgender care. Mm-hmm. And it's like propagating it further, right? No, I can't do that. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it was actually easy for me to do it because I had done many of the things that above and above. Yeah. Like we're called to instructors. <clears throat> you know, I I ran most of the nurse practitioners PA in the department. I was good at some harm or whatever, whatever. And so it was easy for me to say no mm. because nobody else had even done their part. Mm. Because we're called to scripture to do those things like that. And mm. and, and then the other was some of them about a child that I literally delivered and who the family was moving toward transgenderism mm. for the child. Mm. And oh my God. Mm. A little infant, I, you mean? I was literally laying in my office crying. Oh. Mm. It was that bad. Mm. And it's heart yeah, it's heartbreaking. Oh, you, you cannot imagine how bad that hurt. Mm. Well, you have to be wise, too, because compassion, empathy, 
can be dangerous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would literally be sympathized. You must always balance logic and empathy. Yeah. If you're too logical, your patients won't make you care. Yeah, they don't want to be You want care. And if you're too empathetic, you'll make terrible, terrible decisions when you're caring for your patients. You can't do that. You must always balance those two. Well, I think that's the, when you look at scripture too, wisdom. Right? I mean, exactly. one of the things that, I don't know if it's just because I'm hitting my 40s, but wisdom is such a <laughs> uh, important thing, right? You know, raising kids, like, I want my kids to be wise. Mm-hmm. You know, like, not just Christian, but wise. Or smart. Right? Not just have all the theological smart. doctrine, be wise. but to be able to make decisions in light of the information they have in a Christian <laughs> manner, right? And that's a maybe another, you know, rabbit hole to go down, but we don't have that. Pra- Christianity is practical. It's not just <clears throat> theological, like in terms of doctrinal statements. Like mm-hmm. Paul goes through, he encourages and instructs the household, right? Uh, the Old Testament, the, lo- the law, as you were mentioning, like these are all things that are practical. They're practical on a family level, they're practical on a societal level, like these are practical things, and I think sometimes we we've forgotten that because we don't mm. want to be we don't want to be legalists, right? We don't want to be called yeah. legalists. But it's like no, this is what God said. Like this is God's goodness and grace. Mm. And you know that's probably why Proverbs and Psalms so well complement each other. Mm. Proverbs is logic, and Psalms is is compassion and love, and they perfectly complement each other. You know, we always think, even when you get the little Bibles from the... <laughs> yeah, Gideon's. Yeah. Gideon's. Yeah, Gideon's. Yeah. It always has Psalms and Proverbs mm-hmm. in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's well, true. it's interesting, too, because the scriptures say, those that lack discernment ask for it. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is ask for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it, I mean it, not the top of my prayer list. I mean, it, it, it should be, but the Lord gives us. I think that goes along with the whole wisdom is the discerning part. Yeah, absolutely. I don't understand why parents don't ask more questions of their children to understand mm. their children. They just assume. Like, Emilia told me yesterday <coughs> that she felt like a boy. And I know some parents would be like, well, that means you are a boy oh. on the inside. And I said, why do you think you feel that way? And she's like, because I like Ninja Turtles and karate. And I run around and play really rough. I'm like, Ninja Turtles and Karate is awesome. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. That, those things are awesome. And you run around and you play rough because that's how you, you know. Yeah, you're a kid. You, yeah. You're a kid. I was like, that doesn't make you a boy. That makes you a child. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. Moving on. We all would have been with we all would have had surgery Oops. Yes. at one point. Yeah. And people have, you know, we don't want to be boys who are a little little all of us. Yeah, people call it Tommy Tom Tom Boy. Yeah, yeah. 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 If you were rough, right. like, horses, you were Tommy Boy. Right. You know? right. What this does, I don't want to be a girl. <laughs> you never wanted to either? Yeah, you have to do fun things and get dirty. We have yeah. to sit and be like, I, I can never do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the transition does. It takes yeah. away the spectrum yeah. of what you can be as a child of God. Right, mm-hmm. right. Going, to actually feel empathy as a man, or you know, from the point. Yeah. 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 If a kid, if a little girl wants to play with Ninja Turtles, yeah. and somebody else, and I don't 
a Barbie doll when I was a kid, guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought clothing was very nice. I thought this was nice. But the spectrum of humanity should be wide, not narrow. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the antithesis of what God does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our identity is in Christ ultimately, and that, that's a whole and it's a sermon in and of itself, let alone a whole series. And I really, agree. that's why I said God made you a little girl. You're yeah. allowed to like Ninja Turtles. Ninja right. Turtles is super awesome. Yeah. Like I like Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and I'm a very nice lady. Okay, so that doesn't make you a boy, babe. It's okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. or it's like um, I was in Walmart one time, and this little boy wanted a baby doll because I guess mm. he was getting a little sister. Yeah, and they're like, well, let's look for a boy baby. And he's like, well, I want this girl baby because he's having a little sister. Yeah. And they were just like, no. I'm like, what are you afraid? He's going to grow up to be a dad? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. like, come on. He's got a soft spot for his little sister. Yeah, and so, I'm like, yeah. aren't you that man? Yeah, yeah, totally. You're going to say something. Yeah, it's a little off topic, but back yeah. to the original. Yeah, you're good. Where we started, so you were talking about the importance of leaders coming alongside people yeah. who were standing up. Yeah. Um. And I, but I think also in parallel or in conjunction with that is a responsibility to teach people how to stand up, how mm. to have the hard conversations. Because I know in Christian schools now, there there are courses being taught on um, how to defend the faith and apologetics, mm. but a lot of us did not grow up in that and are mm. just learning apologetics as we, you know, grow older and. So having the ability to learn that now, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the weeks that we've done that in the Sunday school class, yeah, yeah. it's incredibly helpful. And I think it's mm -hmm. the responsibility of the church to teach its members, mm -hmm. how do you do that well? Mm -hmm. How do you do that respectfully? Because culture does not, no longer teaches us how to respectfully disagree, mm -hmm. how to respectfully have an argument. Mm -hmm. um, and so learning how to do that, I think, is such a vital yeah. role. And the leaders of the church, I think, are, it's our responsibility to teach us in that way. Yeah, completely agree with you. That's really good. And yeah, sorry if I'm meeting in a second here, but um, yeah, I just, I think it's really important for us to like recognize that need. And, um, you know, important things, I was just reminded of this a few days ago in a leader training thing on discipleship um, <clears throat> with some pastors out in Seattle that I have a lot of respect for, but they were talking about how, like, hey, if you notice that something's lacking in the church, uh, create the vacuum for it. And they were talking about in terms of, like, leadership. Like, hey, if something's not being done in the church and you know it should be done, uh, begin praying for it. Like, encourage your people to pray for it. Like, hey, we don't have someone, you know, who is um, shepherd-like. You know, I'm thinking, like, church plants, right? That was the context was church plants. Uh, or someone who can defend the truth. Or someone who can, uh, you know, teach properly. Or someone who can go out and evangelize or whatever it might be, you know. Um, like, if you recognize that a church is not very well-rounded, okay, we'll recognize the need and say, hey, let's actually pray for this specific need to be filled. Uh, pray for wisdom, but pray for leadership. Pray for um, God to provide, because he loves to provide those things for us. And, yeah, when it comes to apologetics, like, a lot of churches just don't really go there. Or church history, like you were saying earlier, Kathy, like, it's so easy for us to avoid those kind of topics uh, because we've condensed our worship down to one hour on a Sunday, typically, in most churches. And maybe a Bible study throughout the week. Like, maybe one group that you're part of, you know? As opposed to a whole day of worship. You know, like the scriptures command us, a whole day of worship. And then doing life with one another, Acts 2 kind of mentality. Like, it's meant to be holistic. Uh, the Christian life is not meant to be just one hour that you give on a Sunday, you know? And it's very self-centered, to be honest. 
and we need this. Like we need a lot more of this going on. And well, I, I, ironically enough, when I was seeing, you know, encourage their members, encourage whatever, I'm like, you guys are doing it. Like Ricky, when you were sharing, when you were sharing your story, like I saw, like everybody turned toward you, like immediately. Like we all turned toward you. We heard what you were saying. We were our hearts were breaking, you know. And I heard it through your words. Like your hearts were breaking for our brother right here. Like we need that. Ricky's our EF button. Your what button? He's our EF button when you talk. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. So that's funny. But I I love it though because it's like you guys are practicing this kind of one anothering that is so rare in a lot of churches. So I just want to encourage you, like be encouraged. Like this is very healthy. What is happening here, my good shepherd? Uh, you were gonna say something earlier, and then we'll probably have to wrap up here shortly. Oh, sorry. But that's okay. Like, I just have another um, one too. I know. I I feel like. Yeah. You know, Christians, in the majority sense, what I see, yeah. is they are grieving over this, the transgender. Yeah. Like when things get really extreme. Yes. Pedophilism, you know, transgender, yeah. I mean, hideous like, yeah. crimes. Yeah, extreme, especially. Right? Yeah. But when I was growing up in high school, they were passing out condoms. And like, where were the Christians then? Right. Why are right. they not grieved? Why aren't we grieved about uh, fornication? Which is yeah. rampant. Oh yeah. Youth groups. I mean, yeah. our kids tell you know. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no real. Divorce culture. Divorce. I mean, you think of everything along the way that led to this, the sexual revolution, even before. So it's just, I feel like transgender and homosexual is yeah. almost like a right. judgment of God upon yeah. us because we are not really true to the scriptures. That's right. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think the extremes have become not just permissible, but actually uh, they're being shoved down our throats. Really, you know, if you don't think this way, therefore you are a bigot or you're a whatever. But it's because we were so in the frog in the kettle. We were so, mm-hmm. you know, but, led right. astray by it for like generations, plural generations. Yeah. In the public schools. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads to easily yeah. killing your baby. Absolutely. It's just a clump of cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like, why are we at the high school? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We've let it continue. I mentioned it in my sermon last time I was here a few weeks ago, but uh, the rise and triumph of the modern self uh, by uh, Carl Truman, uh, one of my first professors at Westminster Seminary. Really good book. Um, and he goes into all this stuff. How it's not just this like phenomenon that we're experiencing now. I mean, this isn't. This didn't just happen overnight. This was from the 1700s easily. You know, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Darwin, like you said, he talks, he talks about Darwin in one of his chapters. He gives the entire backdrop to the whole LGBTQIA plus plus you know movement. And he's not trying to like you know dog on them alone. He just says, look, if we're surprised by this, like don't be because this has been coming the last 250 plus years. And we're sad. We're yeah. Yeah. We're afraid to die. So, right, right. And, and he talks about it as one of the solutions, by the way, again, to give hope, not just, okay, here's the problem, okay, have fun, go see, you know, see you next time. But, like, to give hope a little bit, and, and sorry, I'll catch you a little bit, Jeremy, if you don't mind, but um, we'll definitely want to talk more about this, I'm sure. But, you know, what Carl Truman says, and he's an OPC pastor, you know, part of Mason's denomination that he started. Um, but Carl Truman basically says, hey, like, one of the answers to this, not the only, but one of the answers, he gives three. One of them, though, is to actually do this, you know, one anothering, like letting the church be the church, like actually discussing important things, caring for one another, like having a culture that is marked by God's love. And that's so misused nowadays, but truly God's love, like speaking truth in love, speaking the truths of Christ lovingly 
Ephesians 4, in all things. You know, not letting cursive speech come out of our mouths, but things that build up one another, right? Ephesians 4, 28, 29. But when we do that, <laughs> I mean, we end up creating a culture that's actually honestly very attractive to people. And it's a culture of hospitality. Uh, you think of Rosaria Butterfield. I know we mentioned her uh, maybe a couple times ago. That was her testimony. You know, she came out of that lifestyle because she was being drawn to Christians actually doing that. Uh, Christ-centered love. And she couldn't explain it with anything in the world. This is an otherworldly Christ-centered love. They actually believe it. They're actually practicing it. And I desire that now. And it was the kindness of God that led her to repentance, to even repent of that lifestyle and come out of that into true freedom. So, anyways, um, before we close, I'll go ahead and just pray for us. But uh, before we close again, um, the magazine is free. Um, so we'd love to, you know, if you want the link to sign for that, I'm happy to give that to you. Also, I'm happy to give you my entire, like, um, a uh, little article that I wrote for that. So if you want just a PDF that's easier <coughs> via email or something, I'm happy to get that to you as well. I can maybe either send it to Tom or Andy or someone for you guys to send it out amongst yourselves. So uh, next can time. I, if, can I just have yeah. a prayer request? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Because uh, I would love for y'all please pray for my granddaughter, Molly, who is 17. And she is going to Kenya with a medical dental group. Wow. to a little tiny village that has no roads into it or anything. She'll be there like two and a half weeks. So if you'll just pray as God leads you, but also pray that she's trying to um, get some funding. Mm. And also, and it's just now, she's leaving January. It's, oh, wow. a, it's a quick thing. So mm. I would love for you to pray for her, to, for everything to just kind of fit together. And she's really afraid about going, and she's really excited about it. I would appreciate the prayers of our church people. Yeah, really let's do that for sure. Yeah, and Molly again, what's your name? Molly, right? Molly going to Kenya. Yeah. Wonderful, okay. Let's definitely pray for Molly. Um, trying to think. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here, of course, I didn't touch on. So, you know, Lord willing, next time I'm here, I would love to go into um, more of that as a little teaser. Uh, you know, again, Lord willing for next time. Um, this article that I wrote actually just... We literally only covered the first like paragraph. There's a whole lot more there, um, but it goes into you know gospel substitutes, things that the culture, even the church, has actually replaced the gospel with, right? And and the things we talked about were a few of them on that list. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we we did go there, but then gospel substitutes. But then actually quote Harry Reader in this. But then recognizing that the gospel is sufficient to answer these things. You know, the sufficiency of the word to answer these things, as Harry was really big on. So the article goes into a lot of that. You know, what are the issues, but what is the sufficiency in the word to actually address these things? So are you sending the article to someone like Tom or Andy? I can. I kind of put that on you, but... How do we... Yeah, what would be the best way to just get that out? I'd love to give it up for free to you guys. Should I email it to us? Yeah, just copy and send it out. Yeah, that works. As long as you have my link to Send the link also to order the book. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, and the magazine's free, so thankfully you can get that. That's you know, but uh, I swear I don't work for Westminster, but uh, you know they're good people. So yeah, I'd love to give you that that link as well. But yeah, let's go ahead and pray. We'll pray for Molly as well, and then we'll uh, head into worship. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've made. Um, it was funny waking up to warmer weather at the beginning of December. Um, Lord, you certainly have a sense of humor, and we thank you, Father, for your kindness toward us and all of creation, even and how you 
give us the rain even when we don't think that we need it, but uh, you water the earth and you um, have, uh, of course, subdued everything under your, uh, under your feet. Uh, everything belongs to you. Uh, you are in dominion over all things, uh, powerful, sovereign, majestic, holy in all your ways. And so we thank you, Lord, for uh, the reminders in creation that you are over all. Um, and as the word of Colossians tells us, in all and through all as well. Uh, these mysteries are far too great for us to understand how Christ upholds everything by the word of his power. Um, but Lord, we thank you that um, these truths, though too marvelous for us, um, are things that compel us to move forward in faith, uh, especially as we've been talking about hard topics, admittedly. I mean, some of the hardest things that we can even imagine in this world, uh, your church now, especially in America, is faced with them. And so we must talk about them. Lord, I thank you for the humility um, that you've given each uh, man and woman here at Good Shepherd. Father, we do pray that this would be a culture of uh, just great humility before you as we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray as well, Lord, um, as Jeremy was mentioning um, earlier, that um, the children here uh, who belong to you be raised in the fear and admonition of you, that there would be true wisdom imparted to them from on high. Uh, and so, Lord, we pray for that in accordance with James 1. Uh, Father, we also pray um, things that are agreeable to the very will of Jesus, as we know from John 16. Um, and I just am so thankful, Lord, um, that, uh, as Kathy was sharing, um, that Molly has this chance uh, to go to Kenya um, on, a, on a medical mission trip. And Lord, we just ask that as you prepare her, not just her own heart, uh, but even just financially to be able to do this trip, um, that you would um, provide her with every necessary means um, to be able to do this. Pray, Father, especially as, a, as an older teenager, that she would uh, be encouraged, not discouraged uh, by this, uh, but that she would be uh, truly just um, uh, able to see this, this mission before her to serve those who are in desperate need and critical condition, and how um, the things that you've provided through modern medicine um, can serve people well in ways that we can't even imagine. And so, Lord, would you provide for her, provide her every need, provide her a way to go uh, to Kenya? And we thank you, Father, for this opportunity uh, that she has. Thank you, Father, for her heart as well, above that even, that you've given her a heart to um, desire to serve the least of these, uh, to serve those who are in desperate need and those whom the world often despises, um, those who um, may not be able to offer much in terms of a society. Um, but, Lord, that is the very love of Christ uh, ebbing and flowing through this opportunity. So we thank you, Lord. Um, we pray, Father, that that same love would be ours in Christ Jesus, um, the very one who loved us and gave himself for us. We might know his love all the more today as we worship you. And so we pray for your blessing upon this time as we move now into our time of worship. We pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.